The reading this evening is from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 16, which is on page 1094 if you have a church Bible. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's, Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely healed him, as you can all see. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, everybody. Um, My name's Mark. I'm one of the... A uh, member of the congregation here, hi to those of you who are online looking in. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure to be giving the topic of why we should be praying for healing miracles today. Um, before I get into it, though, I just uh, a word about our last Alpha uh, and the what's sometimes called the Alpha Weekend, uh, but our last Alpha was during lockdown, and so it was all on Zoom. And um, there was no going away for a nice weekend in a, in a country retreat. Uh, but we did have a, uh, an away day online. So with each of us sat in our own rooms uh, on Zoom by ourselves in front of our laptops, we had an away day. And uh, as we do on an Alpha away day, we invite the Holy Spirit to come. And we also have a time for praying for healing. Now, I just want to give you a sense of some of the um, words of knowledge, that is, thoughts, ideas that suggest themselves to us by the Holy Spirit, and specifically in this case, for healing. So thoughts about what ailments people might be having. And there were three that I can remember. There were more, but three I can remember. There was a word of knowledge about someone with an illness, and I can't remember now, six months later, what type of illness it was, but I remember that it was specific that you've never told anybody about this illness before. You've kept it to yourself. The second was rather more amusing. It was a word of knowledge about somebody had a problem with their big toe, okay? And 
The third was about a stomach ulcer. Now I'm going to bring, come back to this at the end um, because I think there's something for us to learn in these. So just hold on to the thoughts and then I'll get into the talk here and we're going to look at this question, why we should be praying for miracles, healing miracles today. So in, just in outline so you know where I'm going, why miracles, why us, and why today? Then we'll look at some realities and then we'll look at some practical steps. So first of all, why miracles? And it might be useful if we have the text up on the screen. I will refer to it. So why miracles? First of all, Jesus' example. Um, John Wimber in this book, which I recommend, called Power Healing, a very old book, um, but nevertheless a good one, uh, talks about the fact that 38% of the gospel narrative is about healings. Jesus was in the business of healing. Of the 3,774 3, verses in the four Gospels, 484 relate directly to healing. And more impressive, of the 1,200 narrative verses, those verses represent 38% of the Gospels. So Jesus was in the business of healing. And in fact, John further says that in, in John 20, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I think John was being exaggerating a little, but actually maybe not. I mean, if you've ever been to Ephesus and seen the size of the great library of Ephesus, it's actually not that big. They didn't have many books in those days, so maybe he's right. Anyway, but Jesus was in the business of healing, and so should we be. Why miracles? Miracles draw a crowd. They draw attention. We are told that in Acts 2, the chapter before this, that the disciples and the followers met in the temple every day, um, and probably people had got used to them by this time. Uh, perhaps they just ignored them, but not this day. Uh, in Verse 11, it says, while the man held on to Peter, that is the man who'd just been healed, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. I love the details there. Um, miracles draw crowd, miracles draw attention. Um, I texted over the weekend a friend of mine, John, so I could get the, the details correct. Um, John, uh, John's granddaughter, Angel, was born with uh, kidney failure and um, for the first five years of her life was in and out of hospital being treated. Uh, but John prayed for her healing and, um, a, and a miracle happened. I let the Daily Mail um, pick up the story. This in the 18th, 18th of May, 2010. Girl grows two new kidneys after old ones fail. Angel Burton suffered from painful kidney infections from birth to the point where she was required surgery at the age of five. Doctors performed tests and she was diagnosed with bilateral reflux resulting in urine getting into her kidneys causing infection, 
One checkup revealed her kidneys had suffered serious scarring and she would need an operation. She underwent surgery at Sheffield Children's Hospital in October 2007 to create an artificial valve. Mrs. Burton, Angel's mom, that's my friend John's daughter, said they'd been in there for about an hour and a quarter when the surgeon came out. He said, we found something very strange considering the amount of scans Angela had this year. They found the two openings in the bladder and have gone ahead and repaired the two valves. But then they found two more openings. And when they put the camera up, those led to two more perfectly healthy kidneys, just sitting on top of the other ones, totally independent. It looks like the healthy ones have taken over with the extra kidneys doing all the work. Angel, now eight, is fully recovered and looking forward to a healthy future. God is in the business of working miracles. More than that, miracles draw attention, even the attention of our very cynical media and newspapers. That story went all over the world. Um, secondly, miracles open people's hearts. When this miracle took place, Peter took the opportunity as the crowd gathered to preach to them. Now, if it were today, we would, and if Peter had learned about seeker-friendly churches, he would have preached a very gentle sermon saying, God wants to, us all to benefit from his goodness towards us. But instead, Peter preached the sermon that he did preach, and it goes something like this, I'm summarizing. You fellow Israelites, you're ignorant. You handed Jesus over, you disowned him, you killed him, the author of life, and you asked for a murderer to be released in his place. We'd say today, nice sermon, Pete. <laughs> but notice the reaction. Well, you can't notice it because it's in the next chapter, but it says in Acts 4.4, but many who heard the message believed so that the number of men grew to 5,000. Miracles open people's hearts, even after the harshest of sermons. My late wife, Meta, had a, a childhood friend, Katie, and Katie and she, as teenagers, used to spend their days dancing to ABBA records. That gives you an idea of how long ago we're talking. Um, we um, were in touch with Katie and her husband many years later when we moved into the uh, similar, uh, in the neighborhood near them. Uh, by then, they'd had a family, and one of their little boys was, uh, uh, was deformed, um, had cross eyes, uh, had, uh, was having convulsions, and had severe behavioral problems. And we asked if, Katie if she would like us to pray for our young little boy. Um, in, in the end, we actually got a, an African friend of ours who lived nearby to come and pray for her. And he went one night as the little boy was going to bed, and he just took along some worship music with him, some gentle worship music. And in the quietness of the little boy's bedroom, he just prayed quietly for him. And the next morning, uh, the next morning, the little boy, sorry. So the next morning, the boy woke up 
completely healed, completely healed. We were so thrilled that Katie and her husband responded by turning their lives over to Jesus. They joined a local fellowship and they have been a mainstay of that fellowship ever since. Miracles open people's hearts. Okay, so that's why miracles. Now, why us? Okay, down the ages, God has been in the business of healing. Um, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, it says, I am the God who heals you. In the New Testament, we've already seen that Jesus performed many miracles. 41 are recorded in the Gospels. Then he sent out the disciples. The 12 disciples went out and were given authority to perform miracles. Then 72 were sent out. You see where this is going, don't you? 72 were sent out with authority for miracles. Then in Acts, the book of Acts, we see this miracle. We see 28 other miracles recorded in the book of Acts. That's the first century. Second century, Irenaeus. Third century, Oregon. Fourth century, Augustine. All talk about healing miracles that they saw in their days. Uh, in the seventh century, Cuthbert. We have to throw in a, a Geordie. So in the seventh century, Cuthbert, uh, was known to perform miracles. In the 20th century, John Wimber, sorry, it jumped a bit, keep the sermon short. John Wimber would attest to miracles. Jerry Field, standing at this pulpit two weeks ago on this night, was talking about miracles, and then miracles stopped two weeks ago. <laughs> no, you here today will experience miracles in your life. God is in the business of healing, and he wants you to join him. Is it just for the saints, for special people? Is it just for ordained people like Jerry Field? No. Very truly, I tell you, said Jesus, recorded in John 14, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, will do the works I have been doing, and even greater works. Even the skeptical can heal um, John Wimber tells a story in this book about the time before he believed in healing, uh, how his wife had encountered the Holy Spirit. He didn't believe in it. His wife encountered the Holy Spirit, been filled with the Holy Spirit, woke up one morning speaking in tongues. And um, what's more, she thought, I think my husband's going to be used in healing. And uh, John takes up the story in the book. I'll read it to you. Great story. Carol, that's his wife, then reasoned that if God had filled her with the Holy Spirit while sleeping, he could work the same way in me. In order to test her theory, she devised a careful plan, using painful rheumatoid arthritis in one of her shoulders as a test case. One night, when we were at a cabin in the mountains, she waited till I fell asleep and placed one of my hands on her shoulder. She then said, okay, Lord, now do it. A surge of heat and energy came into her shoulder, and then the pain disappeared. She was healed. I awakened, wondering why my hand was hot. Carol told me what had happened. I was puzzled about healing, though glad that her pain was gone. Even the skeptical. And God can use ordinary people. Okay, why today? Well, today, more than ever, people are skeptical about truth claims. Uh, they are open to all sorts of things. But today's question is not, is it true? 
Today's question is more likely, does it work? In a survey um, last year, Paddy Williams writing in the Church Times says this, public trust in clergy has decreased dramatically. Nurses and doctors ranked highest in the Mori Veracity Index of 2020, with 93 and 91% respectively of the respondents trusting them to tell the truth, followed by engineers, teachers, judges, scientists, and museum curators. Little more than half, 54%, trusted the clergy to tell the truth, a drop of nine points in the last year alone and down 30% since 1983. In 2016, when hairdressers were included, they were considered to be more trusted than the clergy to tell the truth. What do you think of my hair, Rupert? <laughs> People are skeptical, especially about Christianity. But John Wimber, again in this book, refers to a time when he was teaching at Fuller's, Fuller Theological Seminary. And he says this, the third world students at Fuller claimed it's easier to pray for someone's healing than to tell them about Christ. In fact, they said, it's very easy to tell people about Christ after they've been healed. There we are. People are skeptical. They need to know it works. I just want to say a little bit about the fact that not all are healed. Um, you will know my, many of you will know my late wife, Meta. Uh, she had breast cancer and then she had a brain tumor uh, from which she eventually died. We, many of us here, prayed earnestly for her healing. Then two years ago, a very good friend of mine, a childhood friend, Jeff, he also had a brain tumor. And we prayed earnestly every day, myself and a group of people, for 18 months for Jeff's healing. And I really thought God was going to heal him. We buried him about two months ago. And now that same group are praying for Tim Mullins, also with a brain tumor. Why are we bothering? Well, this is where we have some audience participation. Rupert. I think you'd agree that Rupert is probably one of the best preachers uh, I've ever heard. Um, certainly one of the most talented. My previous church was Redeemer in New York, where Tim Keller is, so... I'm comparing him with some of the best. And I'm going to make this easy, Rupert. I think you've been preaching for about 40 years. And I reckon if you've been preaching once a week, that's about 2,000 sermons. And if, let's say, there were 10 unbelievers in the, each service, that makes about 20,000 people who have come under the, your preaching of the gospel. So I would say that's about 20,000 people have been saved and added to the church. Is that right? No. We wouldn't expect that, would we? We would not expect that every time we preached that every person who heard the gospel was saved. And so it is that not every time we pray for people to be healed do we see them healed. But that means we should not neglect preaching the gospel every week, and nor should we neglect praying for people to be healed. 
Okay, some practical steps. If we could have um, verse uh, 12 up on the screen. So in practically, in terms of praying for people, we, it's, it says here, don't look at us. So when we're praying, we're praying in Jesus' name, it says. Now, in Jesus' name, it's kind of like in, in those days, if a slave went to the butchers or the bakers to ask for some sausages or some bread, there's no way that merchant's going to give those goods to that slave. That slave would go asking in the name of the family, in the name of the household, which they represented. And that's what we do. When we pray in Jesus' name, all we are doing is saying, do this in the name of a greater authority than me. I'm just the slave. Also, we ask, verse 16, by faith. Whose faith? It's not necessarily the faith of the sick person. It can be. It might be the faith of the person who's praying. But in each case, where does that faith come from? That faith comes through him. That is Jesus. So if you're not feeling particularly full of faith, we ask for faith when we heal. Verse 6. What I have, I give you, says Peter. We also see gifts of healing taking place here. So this is... um, uh, we read about the gifts of the Spirit, and one of the gifts is healing. And sometimes there are specific gifts of healing. I think that's what happened here. Peter says, I don't have any money, but I've got this gift, and I give it to you, a gift of healing. I also believe um, there are gifts. uh, The gift can be a gift of faith. I once was in a healing meeting or in a meeting where they had healing at the end, and I had a terrible pain in my back but there was no way I was going to go up the front and then suddenly as they asked us all to stand and as they prayed for people at the front I had this thought I can believe I will be healed and as I stood up out of my chair just that simple thought it don't know where it came from didn't come from me my back went click and the pain went completely and that I think was a gift of faith Verse 7, we take action. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Look at the sequence. He prayed for him. He took him by the right hand. Peter helped him up. This is a lame man, remember. Peter helped him up. And as he helped him up, instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And then he jumped to his feet on his own. We can participate in the healing by helping people to exercise their faith in what's happened to them. Finally, in verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, that's when the crowd came. Why is he holding on to them? I think, and hopefully I'm not stretching things too far, I think that he's He's been healed. He's been leaping around. First of all, he's probably tired. But also, I think the ongoing strengthening of us continues to take place. And when that happens, we mustn't lose faith. Uh, We mustn't give up our healing. But actually, we must recognize there is a process. And healing can continue after the miracle has taken place. Back to those words of knowledge uh, right at the beginning. The first words of knowledge was about 
uh, somebody who had a condition they never told anybody about. Now, during our Alpha Day, nobody responded. Nobody responded to that word. But about two months ago, I was walking in the streets up here, and somebody who'd been on the Alpha course, um, I bumped into them in the street, and they were telling me that they knew that day that that word was for them, but they were too embarrassed to ask for prayer, too embarrassed to say anything. But they knew they had that condition, and they'd had it for a long while. And uh, having been prompted by that word, they went to their doctor, and they started to get treatment, and they've now overcome that condition. Um, God works in all sorts of ways to heal us. Second word of knowledge was about a big toe. How random could that be? But there was, in amongst those group of uh, eight people or whatever it was, there was indeed somebody who'd had a long-standing problem with their big toe. Now, I don't know what the outcome of that prayer was. Um, I don't suppose anybody's here tonight who knows. But there was, um, at least we, we were on the money in terms of uh, that word. And the third one I know a little more about. As we sat there, as I sat on my PC, on Zoom with, um, with the other people, um, my wife came in off screen, bringing me a cup of tea, just as this word about stomach ulcers was being said. And she knew that word was for her. She wasn't even part of the Alpha team. That word was for her. And she, uh, we prayed for her that day. Um, she uh, had just started seeing a doctor because that condition had got really bad. And the doctor said for her to give up the medicine as soon as she could. She did that. And she has continued to strengthen to this day. But a little bit like that, that man, she kind of still needs to hold on to Peter and John. She's recovered massively, particularly after we prayed for, and she continues to recover to this day. So that's it. God wants us to be in the business of praying for healing miracles today. Thank you.